It's interesting to think of moments. Moments in people's stories that changed their life. You see, all of us have stories and all of us have moments. Moments where we've encountered something that seemed to be life-changing. Some of those moments are good moments and some of them are bad. Some of those moments have seemed to define us and who we are today and, and others yet have not been so defining. In fact, every day I would say this, we all are hearing various stories that are around us. People share their stories more than ever through social media. Now, whether your social media is Facebook, or, or maybe you're showing it through pictures on Instagram, or, or maybe your Snapchat, or maybe your Vine, or, or whatever social media channel that's out there, we all are constantly hearing stories. Stories are, are shared through pictures, they're shared through words, they're shared through videos. We, we give thumbs up, we give hearts to stories that we like and we love. We sometimes even share other people's stories, right? Like, that's how things go viral, is, is someone begins to share a story, and then someone else shares that same story, and all of a sudden a video of a moment where someone was maybe Chewbacca with their child, and I don't know if you remember the Chewbacca mom, uh, that, that video that kind of went viral a while back. I, I actually met her, and... Uh, She's just a single mom. She goes to an AG church, and she was just sitting in her car one day, and she just was overcome with laughter as to this Chewbacca mask that she was wearing, and it just became viral. Her story went viral, and everyone began sharing it. It was a story that people wanted to hear. See, everyone has a story. Every person in here has a story. I was listening to uh, an interview with T.D. Jake's and uh, Stephen Furtick. If you don't know who those two guys are, they're, they're two of what we would call probably mega pastors uh, in the Christian faith right now. They're, they're leading voices across the, the Christian faith. And, and, and both of them, they were sitting there and they were interviewing, Stephen Furtick was interviewing T.D. Jakes, and T.D. Jakes made this comment. A, a comment that actually I've, I've been really kind of thinking about and dwelling on for quite some time. And, and when he said it, it just, it was almost like adding fuel to a fire inside of me. And he said this, he said, I really believe that if Jesus were walking this earth today, he said, I believe that he would be a filmmaker. He said, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that during his time, he told parables. He, he used stories that people could relate to to bring about spiritual truths and awakenings to happen in their lives. And, and he said this, he said, if, if Jesus were walking this earth today, he would use film because there's something powerful about a story. Now, the thing that I love so much is that Jesus loves your story. It's more than just something you were taught at a young age if you grew up in church. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. You all know that if you grew up in church. If you didn't grow up in church, you just think we're weird. 
Or if you grew up in church, you still may think we're weird. But we used to sing that song of Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Listen, it is more than just what the Bible says, even though that is huge. But Jesus loves us, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and so we have experienced ourselves. God's word is a roadmap to our lives. But see, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the word of God can seem very foreign. So when you say to someone else, hey, Jesus loves you, the Bible tells you that, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, that seems very foreign. But when people begin to see Jesus living on in the pages of your story, when they begin to see you having peace in the midst of a difficult time, when they see you having joy in the midst of sadness, when they see you proclaiming that Jesus is still king and Lord over your life, even when things aren't quite going the way you thought they should, people begin to see Jesus in your story. And, and here's what I'll say. I believe people want to know your story. In fact, I'll say this, your story matters. Your story matters. Think about this for a minute. Your story matters. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. Because see, I think some of us don't believe that statement that your story actually matters. But I'm here to tell you, your story does matter. Now, before you think that everyone wants to see or read about your story, you may need to think again. We live in a culture that's constantly being bombarded with stories, and not everyone around you wants to read or see your story, but that doesn't change the fact that your story still matters. In fact, I, I think in many ways, because we hear so many stories, some stories have almost become immune to us. But here's the beauty of the gospel, the good news. It's that your story matters to him. You see, the one who you and I need most is the one who loves our story. He's the one that knows every detail of our story. He's the audience of one. He's the one that knows all the good times and the bad times. He's the one that knows every detail of your life from the number of hairs on your head or lack of number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows everything done in secret. Yes, every moment, every failure, every success, every disappointment, every failure. Yes, in the midst of your story, it matters. He says, I love you regardless of whether you win or whether you lose. He says, you can have the best vacation or the worst vacation. I still love you because your story matters. It's a story that's worth sharing, and it's a story about God's love for his kids. Really, that's why your story matters is because your story and my story is a story that will proclaim the goodness of who God is, how God left heaven and came to earth was born to a virgin named Mary, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross for the sins of mankind so that you and I could have intercession, so we could have relationship with the Father, so that eternity would not be spent apart from God but would be spent with God. Your story matters. And here's what I'll tell you. I think people are attracted to stories that include God. I mean, think about it. You share everything, don't you? I mean, some of you share the food you eat. You share pictures of the food you eat. Now, I, I will say this. I am one of those who shares food pictures. 
Part of it is because is I'm married to an incredible cook. And there will be times where she will make things and I will be like, oh my goodness, this is too good not to snap a picture of. Ever been there before? Ever been in that moment where you were like, man, this is so good, I have to share it with everybody. They need to know how great of a cook or how great of the food is. So, so we share our food. Some of us, we share pictures of our vacation. Some of you share pictures of your kids, you know, and all the things that are happy. You show, you show a video of your kid first walking, and everyone's like, oh, that's so awesome. It's so great to see him. Some of you share pictures of your projects around home. Now, here's what I will say, though, about the projects you share around your home. Some of you, man, like you, you go to town on Pinterest, right? Like you have everything pinned. You, you have all the projects pinned in your home. And when you go and you do those projects, you, you will stage the house. Here's what I mean. The rest of the house could be completely trashed. But that one room that you did that project in, right? You get everything set just right. The vase is set just right. I mean, everything. The pictures, everything. Like the throw is, is, is placed over the chair just right. The pillows turn just right. I mean, you go to take the picture and you're like, you take a picture one time and you go, oh, no, that's not the right angle. So you go over there and you move the picture a little bit and then you move this and you get it all set just right and then you take that picture of it and you share that among your social media contacts about part of your story. Look at, look at, look at what my husband just whipped together this weekend. <laughs> you share your story because it's something that's important to you. You share your story because it's something you're proud of. You share that story because it's something that you're experiencing that you wish other people could experience. From our food to our vacations to our projects to, to you name it, we share things all the time. But yet many times, many times we, we don't share one thing. We're very apprehensive in sharing this. We're afraid we'll offend others if we share this. We, so we, we tuck it away to ourselves and we say, I've experienced it, but, but I don't want to share it with others. But yet we'll share our food pictures, our vacation. And this one thing has literally changed many of our lives in this room here. It's Jesus. You see, when you share Jesus, it changes things. When you share Jesus in the midst of your story, it changes things. Because why? Because Jesus sets people free. Jesus restores the broken. Jesus heals the hurting. Jesus loves. Jesus changes things around us. And you and I are individuals whose stories have been impacted because of a loving God who loves us, who heals us, who sets us free. And we then in turn should be sharing with others. And the question comes to me, if, if the gospel, the good news is so good, then why don't we share it? If it really has changed our lives as followers of Jesus, the good news has changed us, then why doesn't it just come out of us? Why don't we just share it all the time with individuals? What holds us back from sharing the gospel? What is it that holds you back from sharing the gospel, the good news with others around you? If your story matters, then why have you not shared that story with other people? I wonder if you've bought into the lie 
of the enemy that says faith and life don't mix. I was thinking about this and thinking about how the enemy is so crafty. He's tried to silence us for so long because we've seen people abuse things. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but, but traditionally a, a person who stands on a street corner and, and proclaims damnation to other people and, and says God loves them, but, but yet looks at people and says, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I, I'm not saying that that can't work. But I just don't see that being the nature of Jesus throughout his ministry. In fact, what I see is Jesus living among the sinners. I see him having dinner with them. I see him hanging out with them. I I see him hearing their stories and, and them hearing his story because he knows that every story matters. And he knows that one story that encounters another story can then be changed because of a living God who is living and active and part of our stories. And so, not that people can't come to know Jesus in a moment like that, but, but I would say this, that, that those moments of people coming to know Jesus, it, it's probably a little bit more slim that people do. But where people do come to know Jesus is, is when individuals like you and me share our story. Because you see, your story matters. Your story of how God has changed your life matters. Listen, there are some of you in this room here today, you have been saved from much. Some of you are ashamed of the things you've done in the past. You're like, man, I I hope no one ever knows those things. But can I just say, God has redeemed those things. That doesn't mean we walk around in pride and say, look at who I was. No, we say, no, look who I am becoming. Look at what God has done. My story matters. My story is the story of how God has redeemed, how he's set free. We boldly proclaim the gospel to other people who are around us. Why? Because it's a story worth sharing. Because it's a story of life change. Because it's of a story of an encounter with God. I love where we've been soaping as a church. If you don't know what soaping is, it's something we do here at Bethany. The method is, is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's a simple thing that we do of engaging God's word together. Now, listen, the method of how we do it in journaling, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But here's what I'm going to ask. I'm gonna ask you just to engage one chapter a day. Today is Acts 21. And if you were reading on the pages of Acts 21, you would see how Paul, man, like he went through some really tough times, but his story matters and he proclaims it to everyone else. In fact, fact, this isn't in my notes, but let me just say this. It's interesting as we read on the pages of scripture with Paul, that Paul literally finds himself proclaiming the gospel, the good news to others. He's sharing his story. The religious leaders get so angry that the Bible tells us they turn on him and they begin to violently beat him. So much so that the Roman guards come in to almost protect him and save him and to keep him from being violently killed by the mob of people that have now rose up all because of the gospel. But please note this. As you're reading along today, what you would find is you would still see Paul proclaiming the gospel in a way that you would be like, that just doesn't make sense. He's been beaten by people. They literally pull him back to the barracks, and then Paul is like, can I please, can, can I please say one more thing to the people? The same people who have beaten him, violently beaten him, 
So Paul is like, can I please just say one more thing? And what does he do? He, he knows nothing more than just to spread his story. And so he said, stands up in front of him and says, I was a Jew just like you. I lived among you. He begins telling his story of an encounter with Christ. He goes on to say, I was on the road to Damascus and a bright light shone. My life has been forever changed by Jesus, the one whom you crucified. He still shares his story, even though those individuals were the ones who tried to take his life just a few moments. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the early church exploding onto the scene. And you may sit there and be reading and going, what is the difference? Why is the church exploding? Why is this happening? It's because people are sharing their story. And because they're sharing their story, other people's stories are changing because of an encounter, a simple moment. Acts 1.8, we read this says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now note here it says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to do what? To be my witnesses. To share your story because your story matters. Listen, as Pentecostal people, and listen, there are some of you like, I'm Pentecostal through and through. And man, you love the worship times. You think Pentecostal is all about speaking in tongues, hanging from chandeliers and dancing. (laughs) But can I tell you, it's not about those. It's fantastic that you have a personal prayer language. It's fantastic that there are times where the Holy Spirit, you know, just exuberantly comes out of you in times of worship. But the whole purpose and reason for the gospel, the whole reason you and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so that you and I would be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That you and I would share our stories. I I grew up in the Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God church. We're in Assemblies of God church. And I have heard people throughout the years say things like, man, if we could just get back to those early years. I remember times where people were giving message in tongues every Sunday. You you just, man, you heard it everywhere. I'm not downplaying those moments, but I'm telling you there is something to be said of a church that realizes that the power of the Holy Spirit was given to them so that they would share their story and that people's lives would be changed and that we would be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Adrian, and Lenawee County and the state of Michigan and around the United States, that people would begin seeing something different about us because your story matters. The purpose of the Holy Spirit was power to be witnesses to boldly preach the gospel. Boldly, think about this for a moment. By definition, fearful, daring, courageous, clear, distinct, beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or action. What would it mean for you and I to be fearless in sharing our stories? To be daring, to be courageous, to be clear and distinct and not muddy the gospel up. Christ has changed my life, period. I didn't do anything to receive it, or deserve it, I simply just received it. I just said, Jesus, come into my life. He changed my life. Is it really that simple? Yeah. It's beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or action. The gospel is bold. Throughout the book of Acts, we've seen on the pages of Scripture, Paul and Silas and other disciples boldly sharing the gospel. Think about what they had to endure for the sake of the gospel. 
Think about the things that they endured so that the gospel, the good news, the story could go out. Some of us complain the minute someone on Facebook posts a comment in our, on our post that we say about, we love Jesus, yes we do, we love Jesus. How about you? And someone posts on there, I hate Jesus, yes I do, I don't like him. You're an idiot too. You get all bent out of shape because a little bit of somebody not saying something. Listen, there will be people who will not agree with what you said. And you know why? Because the gospel seems foreign to people who have not received it. It does not make sense that a loving God would love us even when we would still spit in his face and still continue to sin. But he does. He still loves you and me, and that's what Paul says. Paul, throughout the, throughout the book of Acts, is like, he's like, man, my life has been changed. My story has completely shifted. I used to be one who persecuted the way. Now I'm one who's actually proclaiming the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul begins to share a little bit of the cost of serving, the cost of sharing the gospel, the cost of bringing the gospel out. This is what it says. It says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He goes on to say, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, Though many, a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. What Paul is sharing with you and I is the cost of sharing the gospel. See, Paul realized something his story mattered. And his story needed to be told to other people around him. Why? Because his life had been completely changed. Think about Peter, another that we've been reading on the pages of Scripture. He was the one that denied Christ three times on the night of his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion. And here he is later, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his life. He becomes empowered with the Holy Spirit, gets up, preaches the gospel in front of everyone. He doesn't care. 3,000 people come to know Jesus. The gospel's changing things all because of what? Because someone decided that their story mattered. So why? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he says, for the sake of Christ. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why he shares his story. This is the reason why he's willing to go through hardships. This is the reason why he's willing to go through persecution. He's willing to go through all these things. And listen, you and I have no idea what real persecution really is like. But Paul says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Because he says, for when I am weak, I am strong. He understands that Jesus living in him is the greatest story to ever be told. Paul is sharing his story. In our soap yesterday, chapter 20, verse 24, we read, but I do not count my life. This is Paul again. Life of any value nor precious to myself. He says, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to what? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. (laughs) Paul's saying, listen, 
The reason why I share my story is because the grace of God has changed me. The good news is something I'll tell everyone about. But somehow along the way, we've, we've gotten confused with what it means to share our faith. We're extremists by nature, are we not? We're either extremely one way or we're extremely not. I'm an extremist by nature, my wife can tell you that. I'm either losing weight and doing really good on health and all that stuff, or I'm way over here and I'm not losing weight and I'm not doing good on health. I don't normally have an in-between. I wish I did. It would probably help me a little bit. But for some reason, I don't. I'm neither. I'm kind of like hot or I'm cold. I'm not lukewarm very much. Now, that's a good thing because Jesus says I'd rather you be hot or cold. So I'm just being biblical. That's it, babe. I'm just... My extreme nature's in the car when you say you're hot and I turn it all the way to freezing cold. Extreme nature's when you say you're cold and I turn it all the way to hot. That's, that's me. But Paul understood that the gospel was worth something and it needed to be shared. The story of Christ is worth something. And so he was willing to endure anything and all things so that the gospel would go forth. I read a book a few years back called Jesus Freak. It was a book that was produced by a group called DC Talk. Is anyone Christian? Like, if you, if you grew up in the house and you were kind of in the Christian era, you remember Jesus Freak? Well, what people say if I was Jesus Freak? I can't even remember the whole song, but, but it was a cool jam, you know. I used to sit in my car and rock out to that. I loved Jesus Freak. And I used to be sitting there and always be like, man, yeah, I want to be a Jesus freak. But here's what, I, here's what I'll tell you. There's a cost. In the book, they, it's titled Stories of Those Who Stood for Jesus. And, and in the book, they give this quote. It says, if one man or woman is willing to obey God, it can change the destiny of millions. Think about that for a minute this morning. If one person would tell their story of how God has changed their life, it could change the destiny of millions. And we say, no, come on, Pastor Brian, really? Like, me telling my story could change millions? Yeah. Think about just, for me, with one moment, if you told your story of life change and it affected someone else, and, and that person came to know Jesus, and let's say that they then in turn told their story of how their life was, was changed, and they told another person. Let's just say that one person happened to be Billy Graham or happened to be a Stephen Furtick, or happened to be a Brian Henley, or happened to be someone else. I've never led people to millions, but I'll put myself up there with them. Is it because I think I have it all together? No, I just know the one who does. And here's the thing. Billy Graham was just a man who said, I will be used by God, and God used him. He was a man who was willing to obey God, and millions of people gave their life. You know, we... We understand heroes. In fact, in the book, they, they give this quote. It says, heroes, brave men and women who lay down their lives for someone else. Our culture understands heroism, but we don't understand martyrs. Think about that. We celebrate heroes all the time. We hear their stories and we go, man, that's awesome. But we don't celebrate martyrs very often. So the question really comes down, is the gospel worth it? In that book, they tell the story of a man by the name of Philip. 
He found himself in Sedan, and this is what they write. The guards had picked up the burning log from the fire. They said to Philip, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't, we will burn you, cut you, until you become a Muslim. Philip had been taken to the military barracks along with 35 other Christians. The officials began to beat them and curse at them. For 11 days, Philip and several of his friends were bound, beaten, and burned as the government soldiers tried to convert them to the Islamic faith. None of the 12 women survived the torture. Philip still bears the scars on his chest left by the burning log that was used to torture him. Later, he told reporters this. My faith was very strong when they burned me. I prayed, God, I will never forget you. I refuse to be a Muslim because I knew that God was with me. Do we count the story of Jesus worth telling? Do we count the story of Jesus worth enduring pain and hardship? Do we count the story of Jesus being one that that we would just simply say, God, I'm going to trust you even in the midst of my story that's unfolding. Listen, there are moments you're not going to understand everything. There are moments where you're going to encounter things and painful things, and they're going to be hurt things, and you're going to question everything. But it's in those moments where Jesus is there and says, listen, I'm here to walk through this moment of your story with you. They go on to say in the book, it says, don't be afraid if, if he shows you just one step at a time. Ever been there before? God asked you to take a step, but he shows you just the one step, and you're like, no, God, if you would just show me like steps one through 10, we'd be great. Could you just show me where we're going? He's like, no, I'm just showing you this one. You're like, no, but God, if you could show me where step number 10 is. But you know why a lot of times I think God doesn't show us step number 10? Because you and I would screw it up. We'd be like, oh, I know how this story ends. And he'd be like, oh, no, 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 you really, you know how it ends, but you don't know all the things you got to go through to get there. Goes on to say this, you have just enough light for your next step, but that's God's way of stretching your faith. Is the gospel worth it? Another man in that book was tortured, and he was talking about this. He said, Someone asked him, he said, how can you love those who were torturing you? Because this man was, was talking about how he loved those who were torturing him. And it seemed so foreign to someone. And they, they said, how could you love these people who were torturing you? And this is what he said. He said, by looking at the man not as they are, but as they will be. How many people do we need to look at not as they are, but as they will be? What if that person that really, really does drive you nuts has actually aligned themselves as an enemy of you? What if that person, God, is asking you to love them? In fact, not what if, I believe he is. But what if that moment of you loving them would actually unfold into their story being a story of redemption and hope? Is the gospel worth it? Is it worth it to share your faith? Is it worth it to share what God's done? Is it worth it to share about life change? Is it worth it to share boldly? 
I want to focus in on a passage of Scripture that we've been soaping in. It's in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 17. And what we'll see here is we'll see Paul and Silas spreading the gospel. They're, they're sharing the good news, the gospel, with all men, all women. They're coming into any city, and they're just sharing their story because their story matters. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 17. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Amphiponia, see, I can't read them either, so don't, don't you're okay. They came to Thessalonica, I know that one, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So Paul's in there, he's sharing from the Scriptures. It says, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. What's he saying? Saying, listen, even some leading women actually joined. But the Jews, the scriptures tell us, were zealous or jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. It's interesting how just being affiliated with others whose stories have been changed can put you in trouble. It says, And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest... They let them go. Now pause here for a minute. What happened? Basically, Jason put up bail. <laughs> Scholars tell us that, that even in that moment, they would have basically put up bail saying Paul wouldn't return back to the city. And if they did, Jason would lose the money on the thing. But here's what I'll say. Listen, whether it costs you money, whether it costs anything, listen, the gospel, the good news is worth it. The gospel changes people's lives. So the scripture goes on to read this. It says that they immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. And Paul's going to do what Paul does. He's going to tell his story. He's going to reason with them from among the scriptures. It says this, now there were Jews that were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And here's what I want you to focus in on. It says, they received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So think about it. They, they received the word with eagerness. They examined the scriptures daily to do what? To see if what Paul was saying was truth. Can I say to you and encourage you, don't just take what I say from this moment, from this place as, as, as the truth. Go and find out in the scriptures yourself. What has happened through the years is that men who have stood in places like this and women have proclaimed some things that weren't right. And because some people didn't go in and dig in the scriptures, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens because all of a sudden some guy says, you should have multiple wives. And people are like, yeah, we should have multiple wives. 
Woohoo! And I'm like, you're crazy. But because someone wasn't fact-checking, someone wasn't, wasn't looking into what's happening in the Scriptures, listen, dig into God's Word. Examine daily and make sure that it's so. It says this, Scripture's going to say, Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So it wasn't just the men who were agreeing. Now there's women of high standing who are. It says, but when the Jews, and this is what's crazy, when the Jews from Thessalonica, now scholars say it was probably a 46-mile journey, learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Here's what you need to know. Listen, there will be, always be someone who doesn't want to hear your story. There's always going to be someone who's going to be like, your story doesn't matter, you shouldn't be sharing your story. Listen, there will always be opposition. But here's what I can tell you. If you will love people the way God loves them, and if you'll just share your story, it will change people's hearts and lives. Because your story matters. Two things I want to focus in on from this passage of Scripture. It says this. They received the word with all eagerness. Look at that word. It says received. To receive is to take, to grasp, to accept, to get back, to take along, to welcome. What did they receive? Well, they received the word, the message of Christ. Jesus is the word. He is, it's, it's one of his titles of our Lord Jesus, that Jesus is the revealer. He reveals the truth of who God is to whom? To us. Your story has been changed as a follower of Jesus because Jesus has revealed the truth about who God is. He's made himself known. His office is to make God known. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known to you and me. As the Word, he was the beginning and he became flesh. He dwelt among us. The gospel, the good news, is the story of Jesus, the Father, or Jesus making the Father known to you and me. What Paul did, what Silas did, what Timothy did, what all these people that were reading among the pages of Scripture here in the book of Acts did was make known the gospel by sharing their story. And can I just say, if it worked back then, it will work today. You and I will share stories all day long. Food stories, vacation stories, project stories, stories about our kids, Stories about our sports, stories about everything. We share stories all the time. Why not just share your story of how God, Christ has changed your life? Why not just let it naturally come out with a coworker when you're talking about something? Maybe you hear that they're like, man, yeah, my so-and-so just got diagnosed with something. Why don't you just say, man, you know what? I believe that God heals. Do you mind if we just take a moment and pray? And maybe they'll look at you and be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But when God answers that prayer, do you think they'll think that's weird? <laughs> Share your story. So here's a question. Have you received? Because here's the key right here. Is they receive. They received. See, the beauty of the gospel is this, is that all can receive. See, on the pages, the reason why we read all of that in context was this, is because we see men, women, Jews and Greeks, Gentiles. We see all these people encountering 
the story of Jesus, and it's changing their life. Why? Because the gospel is for all. So when you go and share your story with someone else, you can be confident in this, is that God loves them and that God desires to receive them. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The story of Christ can be shared because the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. You don't have to second guess and think, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is Allie right? Is she good enough? To receive the gospel? I don't know. She's kind of naughty sometimes. She's really mean to her sister Emily. Why are you being mean to your sister Emily? What's all that about? Man. No, the gospel's for everyone. The gospel's even for Allie. Tweet that. (laughs) The gospel's even for Allie. Come on. You're always taking pictures of me. I never like the angle you take, okay? Like, don't take angles of me like this. All right, you're right there. This is not a good angle. This is ADD, I'm sorry. But this is not, take take it when I'm like this. Where's your phone? Come on. Here we go. Come on, what's taking you so long? You're much faster. There's a whole place right here, ready? Okay, now tweet that and put the Gospels even for Allie. Hashtag, even for Allie. Hashtag, even for Emily. Hashtag, for everyone. Hashtag, ADD at its finest. All right. Hmm. The Gospels for everyone. Because listen, Jesus came for all. You can share your story confidently knowing that Jesus came for all. See, here's what's crazy. Some religions say that that God chooses, that he picks only only, only a a select few. But, But I know when I read the scripture, when I read on the page of scripture, it says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. It says that he came to seek and to save all mankind, like not just a few, all of us. The gospel shows us that God came, so you and I must receive. But here's the thing, we need to receive with eagerness. Receive with eagerness. That's one of the things we see. Eagerness, readiness, freely, willing, eager expectation, to be on the lookout for, to long for. See, the first thing that we see here in this passage unfolding is we see that the the Jews there are receiving with eagerness the gospel. They're receiving the message. They're allowing it to change their hearts and lives because they're receiving it with eagerness. And then it leads to the second thing. They then begin to examine daily. Think about that for a minute this morning. It says, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Why is it important that we read the scriptures daily? To make sure that it's so. (laughs) When we read on the pages of scripture, God miraculously taking care of people, what happens is faith begins to rise inside of us because we go, oh, no, 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 I read that in the scriptures. I I remember seeing that in Paul's story. I remember seeing that in Silas' story. No, no, I remember seeing that in Timothy's story. Oh, no, I remember seeing that in Dorcas' story. No, I remember seeing that in all these different individuals throughout the pages of Scripture. Oh, no, no, I remember seeing that in Kasha's story. 
Oh, no, I remember seeing that in Josh's story. Oh, no, I, I remember seeing that in Allie's story. All these different stories we can look to and we can, you know, I've seen God faithfully show up in people's stories. And so daily we're examining the scripture. Daily we're looking to God's word. Why is it important to be in God's word daily? Just three real simple things. First is this, is it gives us understanding. The second is it gives us authority. And the third is it gives us confidence. See, every day when we spend time in God's word, it gives us understanding. We start seeing, oh, that, that makes total sense. Oh, I see the gospel unfolding on the pages of scripture. It gives us an, a greater understanding of who God is and the faithfulness of who he is. The second thing is it gives us authority because what happens is, is when we encounter moments that we know God has promised to do the opposite of, we have authority now. So when we're praying for someone who's sick, we can say, man, by the authority of Jesus Christ, by the stripes that were laid upon his back, I speak healing over your body right now. You have authority, which then gives you confidence. Confidence to pray for anyone who's sick. You know, sometimes I pray for people and they're not healed right in front of me. I know, you're surprised. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. Sometimes I never know. But here's what I can say. I can see confidence rising up inside of me as I'm daily in the scriptures. I can see authority rising up to me and understanding rising up to me. Because, see, what happens is, is when you receive with eagerness and you examine daily, then what happens is, is you can then share with confidence. If you receive with eagerness and you examine daily, you can then share with confidence. So the first part of this week, I was up in Traverse City at a pastor's getaway. I was sitting up there and just spending time with Kasha, and Braley and Aubrey had come, and Doug Clay was speaking, and and God was just doing some really powerful things in the altars, and we just had a great week, and we come back. And like three days ago, I got news. I talked with a good friend of mine, pastor, someone who I look up to in many ways in ministry. He said, Brian, on December 26th, I went to my wife and I confessed that I had been having basically like an online affair. Going into chat rooms and different places, living a whole different lifestyle that had been going on for quite some time. He resigned his ministry very prominent church. As I was talking with him, multiple things came up. One was anger. I was just, man, because I'm, I'm just tired of seeing pastors failing. I'm tired of seeing these moments happen. The reality of it is, is that pastors are human and they make mistakes. As I was talking with him on the phone, I said, you know what? 
I said, I just, I want you to hear something. I really believe this with all my heart. Your story is not done. God wants to redeem your story. God desires to redeem your story and to use your story. And you know why I could confidently say that across the phone? It's because I've read on the pages of Scripture men and women whose stories have been redeemed, even in the midst of failures, even in the midst of moments where they messed up. David was one who messed up extreme. Adultery, murder. And yet he was still considered to be a man after God's own heart. Why? It's because when he fell down, he kept getting back up. And on the pages of Scripture, we read of people whose stories have been changed, Paul being one of them. He was one who persecuted those who followed Jesus, had them killed. And you can sit there and you can hear stories like that, and you can, you can allow something to rise up inside and you can get angry, but here's what I can tell you. Your story matters. Just like that pastor's story matters, just like my story matters. I'm, I was able to look at him and, or, or say to him over the phone, listen, your story matters. God wants to redeem your story. Now, there, there's a process to that redemption. And he said, I'm walking through restoration right now. Confessed it with my pastor. I've resigned from the church. I'm walking through a season of restoration. He submitted himself. He's asked for forgiveness. In fact, on the phone, he said to me, he said, I'm sorry, Brian, will you forgive me? I've done wrong. I've let you down. And I said, man, I forgive you. I forgive you. You see, there's a process to forgiveness. There's a process to restoration. Because why? Because God wants to redeem all of our stories. Listen, if any, this church knows what it's like to walk through painful times. But here's what I know. God wants to redeem that story. Then a few days later, I get the call that, from Doug, and he says, or actually, I see it, Kasha sees it on social media, and so I reach out to Doug, and I'm like, Doug, man, we're praying for you, praying for Josh. And he's like, he's like, man, it's just, this is tough. And he's like, just please keep praying. Son in his 20s, healthy young man, sinus infection, sent at home, ends up, his mom and brother go to kind of wake him up. He's, he's unattentive to any, everything. They end up carrying him, literally carry him out of the house, take him to the ER. When they get there to the ER, they begin looking at things and they say, your son has massive swelling in the brain and an infection in his brain right now. Immediately they bring him into emergency surgery. They open up the, the skull cavity to allow the pressure to begin to dissipate. He's fighting for his life. And I'm sitting there as I'm texting him and I, and, I, and I say to him, Doug, I know that God is faithful and I know that God can heal. You know how I know that? Because on the pages of scripture, I read of moments where Jesus healed and touched people, where Jesus radically changed it. Why? Because their story matters. And I believe that God wants to heal and will heal Josh. Fast forward to yesterday. had been praying for Billy because I'd gotten a text that he was not doing well. He was up at the hospital. Didn't really know the severity of all of it. And then I find out that Billy passed away yesterday. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, not Billy. See, Billy was, 
He grew up in my kids' ministry. And Billy, Billy, in spite of really tough family situation, in spite of lots of other uncontrollable things, chose to still be someone who brought life into the room. He, he was someone who loved Jesus. You could see it. It came out of him. Now, was Billy perfect? No, Billy wasn't perfect. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect either. None of us are. But what I can confidently say is I remember the moment when Billy gave his life to Jesus because I was there. I remember when Billy surrendered and said, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. And you know what that tells me right now? I can confidently look on the pages of scriptures and I know that Billy right now is in perfect peace in heaven right now. And he is experiencing perfect freedom. And he is experiencing the fullness and richness of God. And then I read on the pages of scripture that God will comfort those who mourn. And I think of his wife and the mourning and grieving that she's going through. And I think of their two-year-old son and the grieving that he will be going through. And I think about the, the baby in her womb. Yeah. And you can sit there and say, God, I just, this is just, all this, these pieces just don't make sense. But here's what I know, everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. And when your story has God in the midst of it, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. If God's in the midst of your story, then all things work together for good. And God is faithful to see us through each and every season. And there are many individuals across this room and watching online who remember the moment when you gave your life to Jesus. And when you surrendered to him and you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, change my life. He came in and he redeemed your story because your story matters. And when your story was changed, when your story received the God moment in it, that story became a story that needed to be told to every person you would ever come in contact with. Listen, stop sharing only food. Stop sharing vacations and stuff. Start sharing your story, because your story matters. There are individuals that need to hear your story. Stop buying into the enemy's lies of if you'll just be silent, it'll be no big deal. No, live it out. Walk it out in front of people. Be men and be women who would confidently walk out your faith and would say, no, God's changed my life. I'm not perfect. No, I will make mistakes. Yes, I will. But here's what I will, I will constantly come back to Jesus and say, no, Jesus has changed me. Jesus has redeemed my story. Jesus has given me access to the Father. Because you'll remember that moment when you gave your life to Jesus and you surrendered to him. But maybe some today, you don't remember that moment because that moment hasn't happened yet. And can I just say, it's okay if it hasn't happened yet because this is your moment. This is your time for you to surrender and say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. You don't have to have it all figured out. Here's what you need to know. You need to know, one, that you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word of God tells us this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of God tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, God desires to meet with you right now. Your story matters. Every story matters. In fact, let me even kind of rephrase something, because earlier I said something. I don't want you to mishear this. I said every story matters if it has the God in it, but can I just say every story matters even without the God? 
because there is nothing you can do to get away from God. He's in every story. You were created in the image of him. There's nothing you can do to even get away from him. Literally from birth, you were created in the image of God. Jesus died so you could have forgiveness. He died so you could have freedom. So if every person in this room, if you could just do me a favor this morning, if, if you could just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. The question comes down to, will you receive him with eagerness? Will you daily examine the scriptures? And will you share with confidence the story of a changed life? And if today you can't share the story because it hasn't taken place, can I just say to you, it's okay because now's your time, now's your moment. And today Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm crazy, madly in love with you. Now the enemy right now would try to speak things into your mind. He'd say things like, no, God can't love you. You've messed up. You've done too much stuff. Can I just say those are all lies? God is saying to you right now, he says, I love you right where you are and there's nothing you have done that I can't and won't forgive. He's saying to you right now, I desire to have a relationship with you. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just need to know that you need him. And so if today you need him, you need to have that personal relationship with him. I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you that we believe will start that journey out. A moment you'll remember back to where you say, I remember that day when I gave my life to him. And we'll have you repeat a prayer. I won't have you come up front or anything, but I am gonna ask you to take at least one little step. And I'm gonna ask you here in a moment to raise your hand and to say, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. You may say, Pastor Ryan, why does it matter? Because it's a moment of you taking a step towards God and God saying, oh, okay, I see you right where you are. And so if today you need a relationship with him, he desires to meet with you right where you are, would you just real quickly just raise your hand? Thank you, I see that hand, I see that hand. Come on, you would just, just say, that's me, I need that. I see that hand over there. You just say, I need a relationship with Jesus. Listen, he's crazy, madly in love with you. He's meeting you right where you are right now. And he says, listen, I want to I meet with you. It'll just be one moment, just a moment of surrender, a moment where you say, I need Jesus. Anyone else? You'd say, that's me. All right, if you would all join with me. Those of you who raise your hand, if you'd repeat this with me and we'll all join together with you. If you'd say this, would you say, Jesus, right now, I need you. I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sins, things I've done wrong. I can't do it on my own. I need you to redeem my story. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And so I receive your free gift. Help me from this day forward 
to walk towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big clap of praise. Come on.